It sucks when you remember that you needed to remember something and you can't remember what it was that you needed to remember. <laughs> Story of my life. Everything, everywhere, all at once is now the highest grossing movie for A24. Are you serious? Like, like box office? Beating Uncut Gems. I didn't know Uncut Gems held the title. Yeah, I didn't either. I freaking love that movie. Did you see that Jackie Chan was supposed to play the main role? No. In retrospect, I'm glad Michelle Yeoh had her chance to shine in an indie movie because she killed it. She killed it with love and kindness. <laughs> Daredevil's announced as being worked on again, which yeah. is really cool for Disney and Marvel. Give it the Moon Knight uh, blood and gore treatment. <laughs> which the, it, you mean the, the minus the blood and gore treatment? I'm Kevin Feige, and this is the most brutal thing. Why do you always say Feige? That's Feige, and you know that. I don't... But you, you say, s- say Kevin Feige. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, I can only think of Feige. Feige. It's French, Stephen. <laughs> is, this the, is this an off-brown? It's the color Feige. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's Feige and off-Feige. <laughs> Ten. Oh, didn't Love, Death, and Robots come out today, too? It did, and I'm hearing good things. I think David Fincher himself directed uh, one of the standout episodes, which I, I'm hearing I'm hearing good things about. So I'm very excited. And season got, two. Yeah. So, sorry, so you got me talking. You, uh, you go. And we got the She-Hulk trailer this week. Oh, let's talk about that for a minute. It looks like the <laughs> worst thing Marvel has ever done. I've never seen Steven so... Against something? So hateful like, against a Marvel... I, against an MCU property. I couldn't imagine something worse. Like well, it, Captain Marvel. Was, this looks like worse I, than Captain I, Marvel. I didn't think anything could beat Captain Marvel being the worst thing Marvel's done. I think this might take the cake. Let's just say the trailer was rough. It was rough. The CGI was rough. Uh, the tone was all over the place. Abysmal. <laughs> well, it's not for us, but whether it was abysmal, I think, is the jury's still out because a lot of people like the Ali McBeal superhero idea. Oh my god! Um, and it could work. You know, we've all, we've seen good and we've seen bad trailers. We've seen trailers that horribly misrepresent. Sure, the show. But I, it's kind of shocking that Marvel would put something out that would misrepresent their own content because they own all of it and they've done it so many times that they would put out a trailer that didn't represent it well. And if this is what's coming, good luck to you, listener, as you journey through your Marvel content. <laughs> yeah. Good, good it luck. rough. They dropped a trailer today for the new George Miller movie. 3,000 Years of Longing or something. Looks like a ride. But everything George Miller does is a ride. And that's your news for the week. Thanks for tuning in to the TCP. This has been the, the TCP <laughs> news segment. Well, well, let's just That's call it. That's my favorite I think, I think we should just call it the TCP from now on and just, just go with <laughs> just it. Just go with it. It doesn't even make sense, but it, it makes That's why it's so funny. It makes sense, though, when you say it. It just doesn't make sense if you think about it. I've always wanted to be on the inside of an inside joke, and now I'm here. <laughs> I love inside jokes. I'd love to be part of one someday. <laughs> I just need a reason to say the word esoteric, and now I have it. It's esoteric. It's understood by only a select few. Esso? Thanks to Webster Teric. for the dictionary that I used to find that word. We have someone with us today. This is a banger cast. <laughs> <laughs> and she hasn't been speaking this whole time. She's spellbound by Gabe, ask me chemistry. Who's Gabe, ask me who's with us today. Steven, who's with us today? It's the one, the only. Love of your life. Love of my life. A person I don't ever want to be without. My wife. My wife. <laughs> my wife. Allie. Allie. Hello. It's good to be back. 
thanks for coming on today. Of course, it's, it's my it's, privilege. It's almost like <laughs> like no time has passed since we recorded last. It's true. It's true. That's the magic of editing. In yeah. fact, in fact. <laughs> It may be even on the same take, on the same roll. <gasps> the microphones have just been rolling this whole time. But the audience would never know. And unless Gabe, we told ask them. me what we're doing today. And Stephen, what are we doing today? We are doing a 20. new Hulu original uh, that is a quasi-sequel. Not an actual sequel. Spiritual but a, successor? A spiritual successor to Normal People, your favorite show. This sh- one of the only shows I've ever stopped watching... <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. I will not say it wasn't good. I stopped watching it. It was too much. But for it was him. good. It was too yeah, much for me. It was emotional. It was very real because mm. I'm in high school and I'm in love. College. But it's fated not to be star crossed, I think is the term. So I had to stop watching it because I couldn't see through the tears. And that was back on our episode 22. What? And this will be around episode 160. That was like a thousand episodes ago. That was a long time ago. And so. The reason it's a spiritual successor quasi-sequel to Normal People is because it's got the same director returning, so it's got the same look. It's got the same story. Same tone. It's got a similar story. (laughs) But yeah, it's based on a book written by an author named Sally Rooney, who's... No relation to Mickey Rooney? No. She's been kind of on the up and up, uh, and, and she, she made it big with Normal People, which was her second book, and that's why they made that show first. And this show that we're talking about today is her first book called Conversations with Friends. And is it no relation to Friends with Benefits? Is this how it's going to be today? No, <laughs> I have nothing to contribute, so I'm just going to be hitting you with zingers. That's, that's fine. Minutes. I don't care. Bazinga! It'll make it funny. <laughs> Gabe has not watched this show. And I will never watch this and show. And he will never watch it. It sounds good, though. Allie and I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Allie and I watched it, and I, I wanted to watch it because I really did like normal people for its aesthetic and its tone, and not so much the story or the characters. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. Well, no, I mean, I, 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 we were even talking about it while watching this. I was yelling at the screen yeah, while yeah. watching normal people because yeah. the characters yeah, are that. so infuriating. Yeah. And that's, like, that's kind of the whole point. point. Yeah. But it's naturalistic. Which we can talk about. But so Conversations with Friends came out on Hulu uh, just a week ago. And Allie and I have finished the series. It's 12 short 30-minute episodes. So it's like six-hour-long episodes, basically. And it follows a young girl in in college. She is bisexual. She's in. They're in Ireland. She has a a long historied past with uh, in a relationship with this girl that she is on again, off again with, named Bobby. They meet a famous person who's an author. <laughs> it sounds like a soap opera. Gabe's <laughs> Gabe's laughing. They meet an author, famous author, who's played by Jemima Kirk from Girls. And she's she's married to this kind of this not like a list actor, but like a C list actor, this handsome guy. He he looks to me, he reminded me of like a, a skinnier Chris Hemsworth meets like Garrett Hedlund from Tron and like a mix of like what I imagined Haley Joel Osment was supposed to look like when he grew up, but didn't, but didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Haley. Yeah. I really love Haley Joel Osment a lot, uh, especially who he is now, but, but, but that's Joe Alwyn, right? Yeah. So and that is Taylor Swift's boyfriend. And that's like what he's known for. If you Google him, 
I'm like, is that relevant? Big ups. That's like marrying a Kennedy, like for the modern yeah. consumer. Uh, Taylor Swift dated a Kennedy, so. Wait, what? Full circle. Did he? Did she really? Mm-hmm. Which Kennedy? <laughs> One of them. I think. I think Bobby's son, or I don't know. I don't remember. I, I can't keep up with my Kennedys these days. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, not, that's not impressive to me. Yeah, I know. It's just Taylor Swift. I only know that because I'm my only sister. Because it it's a hot, it's a hot issue. We're trying to hit trending. Yeah, trend. We're trending. We're oh, trending hard. I see. So we the buzzwords, you know, like I Taylor see. Swift. Taylor Swift. We get picked up by the algorithm, and then we get like we thrown out into the world. Mm. <laughs> and that, that this is the tick. <laughs> it's it's Joe Alwyn. That's J O E. <laughs> Taylor Swift's boyfriend. I'm gonna stop derailing the cast now. Okay, so the young girl, her name's Frances. She has an attraction to the to the actor named Nick, and they decide to start having an affair. And uh, Gabe, she's laughing. He said that. I'm just trying. I'm trying to tell the story as fast as possible. It's like we thought about it. We're gonna have an affair. Honestly, that's what it was like. I'm was sorry. It really? No, it was. It was like it was a slow building and a lack of terminology. They they had an affair within the first like two. A lack episodes. of labels. Gotcha. Okay. A it bond. Was a, so it was more naturalistic than what Steven said. It's a personality bond before. It wasn't like they got it in writing. Like the the affair starts now. No. <laughs> okay, so they decide to start having an affair, and then that kind of derails. Francis's relationship with Bobby, their friendship, and Nick's relationship with his wife, Jemima Kirk. And Francis also has a couple other things going on in her personal life. She has a strange relationship with her mom because her mom's sort of passive and and that passivity is sort of passed down to Francis a little bit and you can tell on how she makes decisions in her daily life and it, and doesn't know how to express her emotions, etc. And her dad is also an alcoholic and she goes to visit him, which is out of the way from where she's going to college in the city. I think in Belfast, right? No, Dublin, Dublin, Dublin. Yeah. Outside of Dublin. So, and then, and then the other thing that she has going on is she has, um, a, an undiagnosed disease that gets diagnosed in like the penultimate episode, uh, that she's struggling with where essentially, uh, it affects her whenever she gets her period. Their menstrual. Wow, Stephen, real mature. I don't know what to call it. I never have had one. Well, Allie, can, what do you? You can be educated though, as a modern man. <laughs> I was call it that time of the month. Okay. What's it called? <laughs> it's, it's a period. What, what do you want me to call it? You can call it her period. Okay. Whenever she gets her period, it hurts her a lot. And like, it's called like she has endometriosis. Endometriosis. Endometriosis is what it's called. And uh, sounds very unpleasant. And so, yeah, it's really unpleasant. She goes to the hospital a few times for it. And then the relationship with Nick is on again, off again. They decide to end it because neither of them know how to communicate their feelings. She gets back together with Bobby. And then, like, the show ends. Does the original relationship in in a good way uh, mend? Which relationship? With Bobby? No, with the the main couple. Yeah. The couple that split. What? It's. Like Joe Fran- Alwyn and the girl Jemima. Oh, they're still together. There's a tone of like we are gonna explore this further. Cool. He basically calls. Yeah. Anyways, the show ends in a way where and this is uh, just spoilers, by the way, but the show ends in a way where 
it seems like Francis and Nick are going to get back together because they really do have a connection. Mm -hmm. The last thing that you see in the show, she says, come and get me. And Nick's like, all right. Wow. That's hot on the phone. And then then it cuts to black. So cool. Yeah. They finally, it's funny. (laughs) I made a joke when the last episode started Ali. I was like, this is where everything comes together. Cause like (laughs) nothing had come together after that point. And in the last episode, a lot of stuff did come together and I ended up being, in my opinion, a much stronger finale than normal people. Well, I think it's just, it's not a, a matter of strength and more of a matter of what the story is. Well, how it ended was a stronger ending. I think it was more satisfying to you in terms of characters, how it ended, right? How did normal people end again? It was... A little more ambiguous. It was like, yeah, I love you, but I'm going to go over here for who knows how long. And if, and if in time we end up back together again, then that's great. And he's like, yeah, it sounds good. That's how it ended. I think those are pretty solid ways to end a story like that. Where it's like not, you know, it's ambiguous, it keeps I guess. you wondering. Yeah. Anyway, those are the bullet points. But the show's filled, like I said, with tone. It's shot well. The lighting is always really great. There's, a, there's like a a heavy feeling of like realism, especially for the modern setting with that, the current generation or the, you know, that, that younger generation, college age generation. And it's, it's not, it's not super like ham fisted where it's shoving it in your face. It's gripping, you know, it ultimately is just a drama, but it's gripping enough to make you want to keep watching instead of it being over the top where it, it, you want to vomit it out of your mouth. Maybe, maybe some of us here would Gabe, but me. Yeah. But, but I think a lot of people would enjoy the ride, enjoy the the story. And I really liked it. You know, I, I enjoyed watching every episode. It was never really boring, even though it kind of can be slow at times. Cause you get a lot of contemplative, I don't know, aesthetic. Like she, she, she wanders around a lot thinking, <laughs> You get that a lot in the show, but which girl? The the main girl, Frances. Her name. She's kind of a newcomer. Allison Oliver. For this show, they're calling her like a newcomer. Yeah, I liked her a lot. I think I she liked her a lot too. Fit the character well. She in normal people. I th- I think even though I loved, uh, I really enjoyed the girl who played um, Daisy Edgar Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed her, but I think I think she was too pretty for the for yeah. that character. Broke immersion. Um, <laughs> Because the character in that in that is described as kind of plain and um, or overlooked. I guess pretty girls can get overlooked too, but I don't know. Um, in this, I was saying in this one, even though, you know, Alison Oliver, yes, of course, she's an attractive girl, but she fit that kind of more plain, um, overlooked uh, character mm-hmm. better. Um, she wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. distractingly, like, pretty in any you know, in any no- actually, normal thought, sense. I thought she was prettier than Daisy Edgar Jones person. Okay, I think the Daisy girls. It's okay might, to be wrong, much Stephen. Prettier, but you <laughs> well, don't need to. That's not my first on take. Nor will it be the last. <laughs> but yeah, I so those are my feelings kind of on it. Is I the one thing I like about this show, both this show and and normal people, it's directed by mainly like the visual style comes from the same director that directed uh, the movie back in twenty. 16 i think or 17 called room Mm. with with brie larson Mm. and frank 
Yeah, you definitely get those tonal elements. That director's name is Lenny Abrahamson. Abrahamson. Abraham's son. Abrahamson. So Isaac? Which was Isaac, I think. That was Abraham's son. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, and he directed Half of Normal People as well. And then the other director was a woman named <clears throat> Leanne Wilhelm. She's directed episodes of His Dark Materials. Oh. And uh, not much else. Yeah, Peely, Endeavor. Uh, this show I've never heard of. Yeah, he did a great job. Um, the tonal elements, like the visual tone fit the story very well. Yeah, Sally Rooney as an author, she um, has kind of been coined as the, the millennial, yeah, the, the, the first great millennial novelist. She's, she's pretty renowned. Like someone like Zadie Smith. Have you guys heard of Zadie Smith? She's yeah. a she's a great novelist. Um and she like commented how conversations with friends, like as a debut novel, it was like shocking. Like it's it was pretty remarkable that someone this was someone's like first novel. And Sally Rooney was like in her mid twenties, like maybe twenty five or something. Um I think she's thirty one now. Barely a millennial. <laughs> Yeah, she's like 31 now. So she's um, she's right like in that, the heart of the millennial, I guess, the heartland. age range. Because I think the, the, the youngest millennials today are like 25, 26, 26. Anyways, she's also been compared to like the Salinger for the Snapchat generation. Um, so she's got this kind of like modern, kind of melancholic criticism with like that's kind of dripped in like some humor um in her novels which i i think was missing kind of from from some of the from the show a little bit like the humor some of the humor was was missed i think some of the irony but um just so she's really interesting and she is very like respected as an author which i think says a lot for writing two novels in a few years and now she has three but and then both of those novels becoming shows. Uh, I think that says a lot about her as a modern storyteller and what the generation desires. And she gives a lot of truth telling and realistic portrayals of like modern relationships. And though, yes, there's some like, like this isn't about an affair and, you know, a lot of people don't experience that. But the complexity of the generation is very relatable. And I was actually just telling to Gabe earlier Mm -hmm. how like the show, it focuses a lot on the affair. And I think it does lose a little bit about a little bit of the like the overall criticism of the, I guess, the generation, like the millennial generation, like the book, I think gets out a little bit more so, or at least more explicitly, like the fact that the reason that Frances can't communicate well is because she grew up in this digital age where most of her communication is digital. So it does show in the show a little bit of that, um, but she's you know constantly rereading conversation, her text conversations and her emails and, and overthinking every single tonal shift and different texts and... Uh, responses but you don't see a lot of actual verbal communication between her and the people she's in relationship with or at least the ability to communicate how she actually feels Um, which is a great commentary I think on this generation of like 
you know, we have, we have so much, we have so much information and so much wealth of knowledge. Um, and yet are deprived of so much ability in how to, I don't know, maybe emotionally relate yeah. to one another in this. Well, in it's this. almost like there's probably now a social disorder for that, you know, yeah. where it's mm-hmm. like the Especially online post pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Which yeah. the books were in before the pandemic, but generation Z and whatever comes after that, they rely so have so heavily on those mm-hmm. on their devices and on social media that it basically becomes, like you said, their main avenue of communication. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that you would, uh, not be able to fully develop a lot of real world social skills. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from, you know, common courtesy to like a uh, perfect example is relationships. Like mm-hmm. there's just a, uh, a disconnect, mm-hmm. I guess you'd call it no pun intended, mm-hmm. but yeah. And that's, it's a, uh, a huge piece of commentary that I'm, that I think was really cool was in the book. It's sad. It wasn't as prominent in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the other thing that wasn't as prominent that, um, the show only very briefly touched up on which the book I think explores more is like the element of Frances's uh, relationship with herself, um, which which is explored also in normal people with uh, Marianne's character. But with with Frances it, throughout the book, you 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 see these different instances of her um, you know harming herself in little ways and then in larger ways, um, like whether it's you know she has a a bad conversation or an awkward situation and she's picking her nail until it bleeds or, um, after she, um, uh, is intimate with, with someone she met on Tinder, she like scratches her arms until it bleeds. And then in the show, it does show her cut herself in the leg. And so she, she does have, there's a lot of like self-harm, um, tied with her own emotional state and like her relational states, um, which, yeah. which I think the show, though it touches on, it doesn't feel like it did it justice in terms of like, I feel like in the novel, you have this parallel of, of these different instances coupled with like these extreme emotional, like relational like instances she has at the same time, like when her affair starts, you know, there's, there's different things that like, as her affair progresses, her own endometriosis, um, gets worse. Mm -hmm. And there's like these physical things that are mirrored with the relational turmoil. It's like a Um, psychosomatic response. Um, not that that yeah not that the relational turmoil was calling her uh, heart causing her uh bodily discomfort but just the fact that the i think sally rooney does use that as a tool to kind of show this progression of of um, pain in her inner world that i think is really really done well that i don't think feels as prominent in the show yeah the the one time it did happen though I was I wasn't shocked by the the event itself but I I liked the portrayal of it because it felt very honest and real like she was at this pl- this emotional place and and the whole show is like leading up to this moment where like she was very numb and she was only becoming more numb and emotionally unavailable or just unable to express herself and it's almost like she did it out of a out of like this like this need to understand or feel just anything at all, like to see if 
anything was real because even she she wasn't like cascaded by like this this insurmountable amount of self-doubt and mm-hmm. just kind of not really knowing how to navigate her life at all yeah. like she was really just in not a good mental state and mm-hmm. and so she 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 does it like and and it kind of made sense in the moment why she does it and it, it sort of made you empathetic toward why someone might do something like that mm-hmm. and i thought it was just portrayed very well tastefully um, not not so much tastefully but but just but honestly yeah very very real this show helped me to understand that like some people are so lost in the cavalcade of emotions that like they don't know how they don't know like what which emotion to validate within themselves or which one to like let out at whatever times in the relationships with, with other people and they they get like so clouded amidst all of the all the voices and the noises and the confusion does that make sense yeah i think also though like with her character it is a lot of it is tied to Mm self-loathing um and yeah that's part of it for sure and um from what i've understood and also even kind of what the show shows like when when someone's in such deep pain uh emotionally to almost either sink into that pain or like escape or or possibly escape that pain yeah. they'd rather go to a physical place of pain yeah um and yeah it's really intense but i think yeah. sally rooney writes it in a really yeah real way and i think her characters the experiences are kind of they can't resonate with everyone but i guess i think she uses that experience of pain in a really I guess, profound way to mimic the emotional pain of a, of a generation that feels disconnected. Yeah. I think that was really clear. And, and as Sally Rooney is sort of the voice of the, you know, this generation, so to speak, it's, it's really interesting to watch because it makes perfect sense at the same time. But then there's a lot of things that for me personally, I have a hard time making sense of, uh, like not knowing how to how to express yourself for instance like (laughs) but no it's 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 more the like they have a real they have a real hard time navigating their emotions and and saying anything like saying how they feel toward one another well did did you express yourself well when you were 21 22 yes (laughs) i think that is i'm I'm sure some people wouldn't agree with i think that is a pretty universal I think it's, yeah, she focuses on characters who are like betwixt and between two different stages of life mm-hmm. from childhood and adulthood, right? And and essentially youth, right? And yep. so in this youthful stage of life, um, anyone can resonate with that in any generation, even though there are certain aspects that are very unique to the specific millennial generation, everyone can relate to the emotional immaturity of being young and not being able to communicate how you feel well unless you're a sociopath okay like steven (laughs) i'm not a sociopath whether you're someone like bobby who's very verbal and um and expresses a lot or you're someone like francis who i wasn't always right i know that's what i'm saying i I was i was a lot more like bobby i'm just saying there's an immaturity that everyone universally sure, can sure, relate sure. to. Yeah, and yeah. Sally Rooney, um, she writes about 
this period of life, youth, um, very yeah. well. Yeah. And like that confusion that, totally. that we can all relate to and that emotional, that deep emotional pain that we feel in these different relationships and, and not something not feeling solid, you know? It makes you wonder if someone who's so insightful and articulate as Sally Rooney, did she have it all figured out, you know, growing up or did she go through these experiences I'm as sure well? she went through And then was able to process that. It seems like she you writes... You write what you know. It seems like she writes these characters based on herself a little bit. Like, they both the characters... Marianne and Francis definitely have a lot of they, similarities. They look a lot like her. They're both described kind of as, like... Introverted. introverted like, wall, wallflower plane. Um, Interesting. I don't want to say that Sally Rooney's plane, but, you know, she, she That's uses the way she those writes descriptive it. Right, right. Words. Yeah. Sally, we love you. But one thing, yeah. one thing about both normal people and conversations with, with friends is that they did feel very samey like it's a brand yeah and and people i feel like some people are wondering whether or not sally rooney may become an author that just kind of writes the same sort of story over and over again it'd be nice to like you know give a little bit of space before she writes another book to learn to like just let life play out a little bit i know some artists do that so they can come back stronger the next time you know Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, she wrote a third, and I haven't read it, but I have heard from multiple yeah. friends that they did not like it. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, it wasn't as hailed as the first two, mm-hmm. for sure. But this show also had a new single by Phoebe Bridgers. Oh, really? And it's very good. What's it called? Phoebe. Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridger. I mentioned it takes place in Ireland, right? Yes. You said Dublin. Yeah. Like she writes what she knows. Something about the rocky road. It's called Sidelines. And we'll, are we going to play it here? And we're going to play it here at the end <gasps> of the episode. So don't change the channel. <laughs> Here's the new Phoebe Bridgers. We also did an episode on her a while ago. Mm-hmm. 